Welcome to the Laurie Lawrence podcast, Stuff the Silver, We're Going for Gold. This podcast came about by me wanting to value add to my online swim teacher and coaching platform, WorldwideSwimSchool.com. It was simply an idea that I'd read and share chapters of the two books that I'd written about my eight Olympic Games adventures. And when I run out of chapters, I'd interview some of the great sportsmen and sportswomen that I'd encountered over the 50 years of my international coaching career. Tell your friends, if it helps one person expand their lives a little or achieve their dreams, it will have served the purpose. If it doesn't do this, try at least to remember, the harder you work, the harder it is to surrender. This one, the gold medal bar. If you are a fun-loving, outgoing person, individual, one of the real joys of international competition lies in the friendships you forge. These may be made on the playing field, the athletic arena, or in the swimming pool. They can be between Australian team members or between Aussies and people from other nations. At Olympic Games, international friendships are most often cemented within the fabric of the village life. The meeting places are many. The dining hall, the flashing discos, the movie theatres, the hairdressers, the games rooms, the coffee shops, or any one of dozens of other little spots where athletes congregate. At these places, the world meets, swapping yarns and badges, and talking of training methods and of future dreams and aspirations. In faraway countries, there are always those exciting places outside the village which seem to attract the athletes. In Barcelona, it was the Ramblers. In Seoul, it was Itawan a shopping area where you could buy anything from imitation Reeboks to Korean antiques. In Itawan, you could eat anything from squirming live octopus to everyone's favourite, a Big Mac. Day or night, Itawan was alive, seething with international bargain hunters, athletes and celebrities. The tiny shops were loaded to the ceiling with shopping delights. Inside... There was barely enough room to walk or swing a cat, and, invariably, the merchandise spilled out onto the footpath and crowded streets. I used to wonder how they got it all back in at closing time. On the footpath, tiny Koreans pointed and beckoned, enticing passers-by into their shops. The place was truly an adventure land of merchandise. The day I visited, Arnold Schwarzenegger was bargain hunting and stooped over in a tiny shop surrounded by throngs of admiring little Korean fans. The shop was loaded to the ceiling with leather jackets, which naturally were too small for Arnie. We make, we make, the merchants called and buzzed like bees around a honeypot. At the Commonwealth Games in Edinburgh, 1986, the social place to be was a cosy little pub called the Gold Medal Bar. It boasted a beckoning open fire. The pub was directly opposite the front gate of the Commonwealth Games village, and it was here that athletes from all over the Commonwealth came to celebrate victories, to meet old friends, 
to sing songs, to sink a pot or two of Guinness, or to simply soak up the game's atmosphere. It was in the gold medal bar one night that Kiwi swimmer Mike Davidson met Australian Olympic bronze medalist Justin Lemberg. They were renewing old friendships. Justin and Mike had been roommates for 12 months at the University of Alabama and swam there for the US Olympic head coach Don Gambrell. Justin, though totally committed, had been unable to reach peak physical condition for these Commonwealth Games because of a nagging shoulder injury and he had failed to make the Australian team. However, his love of the sport saw him arrive in Scotland anyway. He was there as an interested observer and, of course, to cheer on his mates. Hi, Justin, called the Kiwi. G'day, mate, enthused Justin as he grabbed his old pal's hand and pumped it enthusiastically. What you been up to? Oh, nothing much. Training for this, mate. See you got a day pass for the village, observed Mike. Yeah. Let's have a quick pint of Guinness and go over to the village for lunch, suggested Justin. Yeah, but let's have a quick pint of Guinness and then go over to the village for lunch, suggested Justin. No worries, I'll be in that, replied Mike. Just then, one of the wild men from the Australian swimming team, Tasmanian Brett Stocks, spotted the two mates. Stocks waved and squeezed through the lunchtime crowds towards them. Lemmy, you old bastard, what are you doing here? He yelled from 20 metres away across the room. I'm here to see the games, Justin cringed, and, uh, and uh, to get envious of you guys racing. Oh, I'm finished, called Brett. It's party time now for me. Come on, let's get on the piss together. May, maybe one or two, Stocksy, but not too many, replied Lemberg. Brett then spotted Mike Davidson. Mike, you old Kiwi bastard, tell me. There was a pregnant pause, then a question. How do Kiwis find sheep in the long grass? You tell me, Stocksy, replied Mike, although he knew the joke. Delightful, yelled Stocksy at the top of his voice. He elbowed Justin firmly in the ribs, laughing loudly at his own joke. Two more beers came and went, each sunk in double-quick time. I'm hungry, said Lemberg. Yeah, let's go to the village for lunch now, said Mike. One for the road, said Stocksy. No, after lunch, replied Lemberg. And the three friends pushed their way through the crowd and headed back to the village. As the adventurers passed through security, the driver of an official VIP car assigned to one of the smaller nations jumped out and walked briskly inside to talk to a security guard. Perhaps, if he hadn't left the driver's door open and the car engine running, the following incident may never have happened. Mike Davidson was first to spy the unattended vehicle. His eyes lit up. Let's take it, he said. Stocksy, in a show of genuine responsibility, said, No way! Don't be stupid! Come on, said Mike. Don't be a dickhead, said Stocksy. We'll get caught. Ah, uh, you Aussies, you got no guts, said Mike as he jumped into the driver's seat. 
Stung into action by the Kiwi taunt, Stocksy couldn't refuse the challenge. He jumped into the back seat while Lemberg rode shotgun in the front. We won't get past security, said Stocksy, as Mike drove confidently up to the gate. Justin sat in silence. Shut up and let me handle this, said Mike, as he eased the car towards the exit. We won't get away with this, said Stocksy. No way. Relax, said Mike. We're bloody dickheads. We're dickheads, said Lemberg. My adrenaline is pumping as though I'm going to race. We'll get caught. Just relax, relax, said Mike. And he drove confidently up to the security guard on the gate. Accreditation, please, asked the Scotsman. Mike flashed his athletic accreditation. We're due at the athletic stadium in half an hour, said Mike, smiling. Have a nice day replied the Scot, as he waved them through unchallenged. A hundred metres down the road, Stocksy shouted, Here, let me drive. Let me, let me behind the wheel. No way, said Mike. I'll drive. We'll head to London for the day. It's a great day to see the English countryside. There must be such a thing as fate, because once they turned into the main street, the traffic slowed to a crawl. Mike put his head out of the window and called to a pedestrian. What's the hold-up, mate? Oh, the Queen's in town for the athletic finals. The security's doubled. The traffic's murder, was the reply. Oh, no, groaned Justin. There's a cop car ahead. We can do without those bloody cops, said Stocksy. Don't worry, reassured Mike. They're not after us. They're here to protect the Queen. He held his position in the line of traffic and kept driving as cool as a cucumber. However, as the three adventurers edged closer and closer, they could sense the police car containing three London bobbies was going to block them. Let's run! Let's run! Let's run! screamed Stocksy as the cop car pulled in front of their VIP car with its siren blaring. Lemberg who was wearing a pair of genuine Aussie thongs made in Taiwan, on the end of a pair of legs made only for swimming, decided discretion was the better part of valour. Shut up, stop and sit in the gutter, he said. The loud hailer on the police car blared. Pull in here, gentlemen, pull in here. Once the uniformed police had the three adventurers cornered, the senior sergeant walked over, put his head in the window and asked, Gentlemen, where are you taking this vehicle? Lamberg froze. Mike Davidson responded, We're swimmers, members of the New Zealand and the Australian swimming team. We're going to the athletics to watch the running. Fair enough, said the senior sarge. But gentlemen, do you realise this car is registered as a stolen vehicle? Oh, no! They chorused incredulously. Then Mike, as a senior spokesman, ventured, We thought it was an accredited car for all the nations and that it was available to take us to the athletics. Are you VIPs? questioned the Bobby. No. When did you acquire the car? Half an hour ago. Where did you acquire the car? Oh, back in the village. How did you acquire the car? They looked at each other dumbfounded. It was right here at that moment that the sergeant lost it. 
He pulled Mike roughly out of the car, shoved him into the back of the police car. Now, barking orders in rapid succession to Lemberg and Stocks, he pointed to the police car. You two, in the back, now. Justin and Stocksy obeyed. He then turned to the young constable. You drive the stolen vehicle and follow me. The sergeant jumped into the police car and accelerated back to the village. The siren blared, the lights flashed, and the three young swimmers sat quietly in the back like naughty little boys. The policeman grabbed the two-way and radioed ahead. Car 16 to base, car 16 to base, returning stolen car to village, have apprehended thieves. Have a cell ready, we'll be back soon. Over. Davidson, Lemberg and Stocks were stunned. A night in a Scottish jail? Mate, we're not, not, mate, we're not thieves, said Mike, meekly. Shut up, replied the sergeant. Back in the village, the New Zealand and Australian team managers were summoned to the front gate. The Kiwi manager arrived armed with New Zealand ties and pins, keen to pacify the irate policeman and the Scottish officials. Tom Brazier, the Australian team manager, arrived white-faced and nervous. What have you done this time, Stocksy? he asked. Nothing, Mr Brazier replied Stocks innocently. The two officials disappeared into the office. Half an hour later, the New Zealand manager reappeared. The old tie trick didn't work this time, fellas. You are in a bit of trouble, he said. Come on, Mike, he called, and jerked his head in the direction of the village. Davidson jumped up. See you, fellas, he called, and meekly followed his team manager back to the village. This left the two Australians alone, sitting, staring at each other in stony silence. Each was occupied with his own thoughts. After a further half an hour, a drained Australian team manager, Tom Brazier, emerged. He looked at Lemberg and said, You can go. You're lucky they are not going to press charges. You're not on the official team, so there's nothing I can do to discipline you. Then he turned to Stocksy and said, As for you, there'll be a meeting of the team management over this incident. I'll let you know the outcome later. The two Aussies stood up, relieved that it was over, and went their separate ways. Brett Stocks was sent home and suspended from competitive swimming for two years. Justin thanked his lucky stars. Mike Davidson was forgiven. The message of this story for any young sportsman is clear. One thoughtless moment can cost you dearly. Stocksy was out of the sport for two years. Thank you for listening to this latest episode of Stuff the Silver. We're going for gold. To stay up to date with all episodes, please subscribe to this podcast. For more information, visit laurielawrence.com.au It's alive to the fire!